Hi there. Welcome and thank you for listening in. I'm super stoked to have you with me. My name is Philip Hartmann and Being Dad is a show for dads. I meet and speak to unique dads, asking them to impart their wisdom and to share their experiences as dads with us. The reason for being dad is my own story. I became a father five times within 13 months. Yes, five times, 13 months. I was seriously underprepared and I struggled to find inspiring content for myself. By meeting and connecting with these men, I'm trying to learn all there is about being a dad. We cover heart-to-heart topics between two dads and our aim is to inspire other fathers. And with this, hopefully we can make a positive impact on families around the world. It all starts with one kind of fundamental, I guess, mindset. And it was around the idea that uh, Megan and I are first. Our relationship is first. And then the kids. And uh, our, our, our philosophy around it is, if we're good, we're strong, we'll create a safe environment at home and we'll be able to bring our best selves to our kids. But if we're at each other, then we won't show up united. We won't, we'll, we'll argue and, um, we'll create negativity in the home. And then that'll make the kids maybe second guess and, and doubt, you know, the safety of their environment. And then that could cascade into a whole bunch of bad things. So that was the first thing we had to make a decision together that we're first and that we're doing this for the next, you know, 20 years and we're going to put our heads down and, and, and be rocking parents. But at the end of the day, it, it's still about our relationship. My next dad's name is Rob Murray. Rob has three children. His four-year-old was born five weeks early and his two-year-old twins came eight weeks early. Quite close together also. Rob runs a digital agency called Intrigue that's been growing 30% year over year for the last six years. And he's also the president of Entrepreneurs Organization in Ontario in Canada. He does a lot of charitable work and he's very involved in his local startup scene. Needless to say, he's a super passionate dad. We clicked straight away and he's one of those guys you take a liking to immediately. The session was really fun and he actually ended up sitting in his car recording because we couldn't find a quiet spot for him anywhere else and we got disconnected right towards the end, which was fine because we were kind of done. A big part of the session is about Dedicated.com and our goals with the project because Rob's wife couldn't believe my story and she told him to ask me all these questions. Rob shares some very valuable insights and strategies him and his wife Megan developed to keep their relationship strong and their family tight. And I share some of our strategies. We talk about challenges him and myself are facing with so many babies at once, prem babies at that, and it turns out, surprise, surprise, there's a lot of overlap. Overall, it's a really fun and valuable conversation, and I really hope you enjoy it. The most powerful takeaways for me as a dad were... My wife and my relationship has to come first. This is to ensure a solid, safe foundation for the kids. Rob reminded me of what my good friend Alon once told me. Ensure you maintain a healthy balance of all your own roles and identities, even after there are kids. If I ask my wife what chores need to be done, this actually adds more mental load on her, so I won't do it. And if I want to say yes to family first, I need to say no to something else. As always, if you like this session, please do subscribe to the podcast and leave me a review. This really helps. Please also share this episode with others who you think need to hear this. All right, please enjoy another session of Dedicated.com with Rob Marie. Rob, thank you very much for sitting with me. Um, I understand 
you are an entrepreneur, you've got four-year-old singleton and two-year-old twins, both born early. Thank you for taking the time out and speaking to me. It's actually quite funny. We both almost sat in our cars. You ended up sitting in your car because we couldn't find a quiet space. I guess that's the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the reality of that, of twins and triplets and all of these all of these children. So awesome, but we made it. Yeah. Do you want to do a quick intro about yourself? I mean, just quickly, um, yeah, dad, like you mentioned, I got a four-year-old son, Hunter, uh, twin two-year-old girls, uh, Audrey and Elena, beautiful woman in my life, Megan, uh, mother and better part of me, and then uh, run an organization called Intrigue. We're a digital marketing technology company. We've been doing it for about 12 years. And I also sit on the board for our local hospital. And then I'm uh, I'm the president of our local EO chapter. Wow. As you speak, I'm wondering how you're doing all of this because you told me that your business is growing at 30% for the last mm -hmm. six years. And then I was looking at the time frames. So that means the last four years of those six years, you've had children. So with sitting on the board and running your own business and having all these kids, how do you do it? Well, I mean... Um Yeah, I'd love to unpack that one. There's a there's a long answer and the short answer. The short answer, uh, her name's Megan. I mean, that's really how that works. Uh, but <laughs> secret yeah, weapon, she's Megan, amazing and really makes it possible for me to go do all this stuff. Um, but before we get into that stuff, I was wondering yeah. uh, if maybe you could take a quick minute because I I've, I've been sharing the story with our first conversation with other people uh, about why you're doing this podcast. You want to know why I'm doing this? That's a that's a good question. So, as we as we discussed the last time, I became a dad of five kids within 13 months. So we <laughs> Sorry, adopted that's twins. Still just awesome. <laughs> so we adopted twins, and then within six months, my wife fell pregnant with triplets. And you know, I kind of realized throughout all these events and and this time that there's nothing out there for dads. There's no inspirational content for dads. Nothing. There's a lot of stuff for moms. And, and it's no problem. The problem is just there's nothing for that. So what I'm doing is I'm speaking to unique and insp inspirational dads and I ask them to share their experience with the aim to inspire other fathers to be able to be better dads. So what we're doing is hopefully empowering some dads. And I think if we can do that, we will impact society because we can facilitate family success. So that's the quick yeah, answer. Yeah, and then there, there was there was some more to it though when you talked to me, um, which was really neat perspective around how if we don't socially accept dads in the home, then at work it'll never be an even playing field. So what was that? It's a it's very beneficial for women, really, or for mothers to make sure that dads are perceived as an actual strategy for a successful home. I believe because as long as dads are perceived as three men and a baby kind of stuff or daddy daycare, you know, you can't really leave kids with that. Are you nuts? You know, it's got to be a disaster. As long as that is the case and society currently sees that as, as that very much. So there's no optionality for mums, right? Because the work will simply just fall for mum because you can't leave your kids with that. So that means that mum is at an even more disadvantage in the workplace. So we need to make sure that the global narrative around dads changes in order to help with gender balance. Yeah, that's so awesome. It's just neat to see like the perspective on how doing uh, a, having a conversation like we're going to have uh, can impact on a global yeah. level, um, you know, equality and pay on gender. So it's just 
I think I really love the perspective. I know you have some research behind it. We don't need to get into the stats or anything, but I think it's really cool. I mean, just think about it, you know, like how many dads do you know that are stay-at-home dads? Is it 50-50 with moms that you know? Two. How many, how many dads do you know? Lots. So there's your proof. I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, I see it in myself, you know, it often happens that even though we, we're very aware of this because I speak about it all the time and my, my wife gets to listen to my podcasts even before I release them. So that's quite nice. Actually, she gets to hear all this feedback and this input without me having to confront her. <laughs> <laughs> she, <laughs> that's, uh, that would be scary. But um, no, I'm just joking. But she she's aware of it, you know. And even though still, I often feel I need to defend my position much more than she, she has to with the kids. Because she has her opinion and she has already thought about it earlier, you know. She's thought about it already. I'm like, dumb. I haven't thought about this topic yet. And the kids, something comes up and I'm like, mm, let me think about this. And then she just jumps in and she goes, this is what we're going to do. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. We haven't discussed this yet. Yeah, yeah, but okay. Okay, so, and most of the time she's right. But the point is that, and I speak to other dads about this too, you know. Dads tell me, I felt like my wife's PA once the kids came or, you know, lost all my rights and jokingly. But this is the case. Society sees the kids much more with mom. I mean, look at what happens when people divorce. Many dads tell me, and that's, that's not so funny, that they're scared to lose the children when they get a divorce because we've created a social system or legal system, sorry, that's tilted towards mom when it comes to custody. And, and, and I mean, there's probably some historic precedents as to why that's the case, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily serve every situation. That's for sure. No. And times are changing. So, and I'm not saying we're trying to divorce here. I'm just saying that I, what I would like to achieve is to, yeah, like we said, inspire dads, but also at the same time, make sure that moms understand dads better. And, the, and vice versa, by the way. Yeah. So then um, when we were talking last couple, like a couple weeks ago, and uh, I told you a little bit about, you know, what we're doing. And, uh, but then you were like, yeah, I had twins. Um, and then when they were six months, uh, we had, we were pregnant with triplets and I was just like, oh my God. So, um, the, 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 the conversation, um, I think there was one of the questions that I, we didn't really get a chance to go kind of deep on all this stuff, but you know, in terms of dynamics, one of the things we're experiencing, you know, with a four-year-old son with mom, there's a lot more bond than with the two-year-old twin girls and, and mom. And I would say even, even true yeah. for me, because like one, the four-year-old's like a person and two-year-olds are getting there. They're close. They're probably like mini people, but they're not really fully conversational. Yeah. Um, they're still like having a hard time uh, regulating because they're two, like there's, it's not their fault <laughs> by any means. And so yeah. they're just, like, yeah, no. you know, and they're constantly needing and, driving attention and yeah. it's just it's a lot so uh and then uh, so then i was thinking about it, i was like yeah i know exactly yeah, what so you mean i was like okay yeah. so that's with twins and a and a and a four-year-old so what's it how it must be compounded with twins and triplets yeah it is so we've got like kind of a own dynamic that just happened i guess so the Twins, when my wife fell pregnant, they were in six months. We adopted them at six months. So they were like a year and a half or a year and sorry, they were a year and a half when my wife went to a hospital. So I had the twins at home uh, when she went to hospital. We drove there every day and I was trying not to go bankrupt on the side and 
you know, it was quite stressful actually. And they were freaking out because for them, this was very much abandonment, right? Before my wife fell pregnant, she was all over the twins and she spent 24 hours every second with these kids. And then what happened was that they kind of turned to me more because I was there and she was at hospi in hospital and somehow I... That was I was very lucky in that sense. I was able to create a super deep bond with the twins. Right. And in turn, she has a much deeper bond with the triplets. Uh, kind of just played out that way. When the triplets came, you know, they, they came 10 and a half weeks early. So they were in NICU for, I think, eight or nine weeks. Um, that's a whole story on its own. And then they came home and she was obviously, she had to spend a lot of time with the triplets. And I kind of took over the twins. So in our situation, I'm much closer to the twins than to the triplets. And I'm working very, very hard to get a good relationship with all the triplets. But even the triplets' relationships and mine are different. So Max, for instance, is, seems to be the hardest nut for me to crack. Henry and Alba are super cute. You know, they're loving and they run towards me and screaming. And Max is more like on his own move and he does his own mission and kind of... So I'm trying to go on dates with them separately and I'm trying to yeah, get to know them and meet them still on their own because I feel they're always just grouped. You know, I always have these groups of kids. So I want to ungroup them and I want to go and do things with them as individuals because they are very much individuals. But anyways, this is the how it compounds with us. Yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> I'd love though to learn a bit more about that. Like, uh, you know, we have the same thing with our with our girls, they're always grouped together. They're always, you know, sleeping together, playing together, yeah. bathing together. Um, and so I love what you said, you know, going out on dates and, and separating them as individuals. Yeah. So can like, what kind of stuff do you do with them? So we go and walk on the mountain. We go eat ice cream. I go and check the waves. I go for coffee. I mean, it's children's stuff, you know, I go, um, there's like a little, you kind of find little diamond rocks in a sand pit or something. It's like, look at birds. We go to the zoo or we go to, you know, look, look at the aquarium, just kids stuff, whatever they want to do really. I mean, I suggested and I want them, but I want them to, you know, it's their day. So I call it Papa date. And then we have a Papa date and they know it's just me and them. Sometimes I take two. So today I took the two boys from the triplets Um and we went for breakfast and lunch and played in the playground just for an hour and a half. They don't need like 10 hours, you know, they just need the me time for a short period and it's with intent. So I'm trying to make it time with purpose and intent. That's really what it is. So then how old are they now? So the triplets are 20 months and the twins are two and a half. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> what did your wife say when you told her? She couldn't, she couldn't imagine what it would be like, you know, she, it's an, um, one of the things, um, so we're, she's part of, uh, a lot of like groups, you know, like, uh, mom groups and twin groups. There's actually a, 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 a multiples, uh, group on Facebook that's like international. And so it's, it's a really interesting thing because of this, uh, this whole, okay, not okay kind of phenomenon with humans. So it's this idea that all of a sudden we feel a bit better about ourselves when we see somebody else isn't doing as well. Oh yeah, I get it every day, Brew. Uh, when I'm struggling with my one, I'm always saying, how must Philip feel? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Dude. So this this idea, I mean, what you just said is really interesting because it's in my in my forum, in my update, um, uh, one of my pieces is around. <laughs> it's crazy.
I get emotionally triggered when people tell me they get it. Yeah. And, and they're like, Oh, um, you know, they're like, Oh, how's it going? I'm like, Oh, you know, I just haven't slept for a couple of days and it's all good. I mean, things are all right, but it's just tough right now. And then they're like, Oh yeah, I get it. You know, kids don't sleep and they have like one kid. Yeah. Yeah. And for some reason it emotionally triggers me. Cause I'm just like, you don't get it. Yeah. Um, but it's my own trash. I don't need to. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out why I'm, I get triggered by that. Uh, it's interesting. I have this when uh, people think that because my situation is extraordinary or out of the ordinary, I would say they can ask any question, even if it's very personal, even though they don't know me. Um, and also they can make a lot of assumptions. And I'm like, uh, yeah. So for instance, when I go, oh, we adopted twins and then my wife fell pregnant with triplets. People always say, oh, that happens all the time, doesn't it? That's the first answer. It never, ever, ever fucking happens. And then the assumption behind it is that we had IVF done. And that's like super personal, you know, like same as saying, okay, yeah. how was your last cancer what? check? You know, you're just literally asking about the fertility situation of that person. And the second thing they say is um, that must be tough. And like you said, you know, I get it. Kind of kids don't sleep and those right. kind of things. And it's like... Well, okay. <laughs> Moving on to the next topic, you know, kind of. <laughs> exactly, and and so like it was uh, interesting. We were at this like water park with our kids, and and there was this uh, father and mother, and they had it was I think it was reverse. They had twin four year olds and a two year old baby, <laughs> and we were like we were talking to them, and it was so it was so refreshing because they actually did get it, and we could just have these like very quick comical conversations. And look at each other in the eye and just like without using words, have some appreciation for each other, which was kind of neat. And what I wanted to ask you, you wrote me an email at one stage where you said you had some, you developed very good uh, methods to keep your relationship strong with your wife, even though this hectic situation with the instant kids and Prem and whatever I can assume you had. Can you share a little bit of those, of those strategies? Because I think that'll be valuable for other dads as well. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, it all starts with one kind of fundamental, I guess, mindset. And it was around the idea that uh, Megan and I are first. Our relationship is first. And then the kids. And uh, yeah, our, wow. our, our philosophy around it is, if we're good, we're strong, we'll create a safe environment at home, and we'll be able to bring our best selves to our kids. But if we're yeah. at each other, yeah. then we won't, show up united we won't we'll, we'll argue and um they'll create negativity in the home and then that'll make the kids maybe second guess and and doubt you know the safety of their environment and then that could cascade yeah. into a whole bunch of bad things so that was the first thing we had to make a decision together that we're first and that we're doing this for the next you know 20 years and we're going to put our heads down and 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 be rocking parents but at the end of the day it it's still about our relationship yeah that is such a good decision that you've took. And how do you implement this? Yeah, okay. So because of being in the NICU, so our kids were also early. Our, our son Hunter was five weeks early and our girls were eight and a half weeks early. Twins, you know, just like what you're saying with triplets, they were like 10, 10 and a half weeks, whatever. Um, yeah. That kind of actually created a, a tension in the moment of, of not being with your babies, which was very difficult. Yeah. Um, because even the nurses would say like for, for, first of all, dad, you have to go home. I mean, especially when the twins were there. Cause I had my, uh, you know, my two year old. Um, yeah. but 
but also when we when the two year old was there, the, the nurses were like, "Mom, you you can't sleep next to your baby because it's in he's in an incubator." Uh, yeah. Go go sleep in your own bed tonight and get a good rest. Yeah. Which was extremely difficult for her to do. Um but because we went through it, we created this I don't know, confidence in letting our kids be a little bit by themselves sometimes and we have really great mm. family support. And so, you know, when if grandma wanted to, you know, have a have Hunter over for a sleepover when he was six months old could be bottle fed um we were okay with that and then that that gave us the room to uh have some time together and that's really what it came down to was finding ways to spend time together even if it was you know wasting time going to a movie i'm, yeah, yeah, I'm not a big yeah. fan of using my recreational time to go see a movie megan loves it and at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what we do. We could sit on a stranger's couch for two hours and it would be good. And so we'll do that every once in a while. And then we, we have some, we just have a really great village. We have a community around us of people that are really helping. And so, uh, we were blessed to be able to go away for like three days, you know, when, before Hunter had turned one and be on like a trip together. And so it's, you know, the two hours at home to ourselves or the, you know, one day or two days away or three days away. Um, but being really intentional on like finding who can support us, um, you know, planning the time and then, and then pulling the trigger and going, uh, that was, yeah, that was really important. That's very, that's very good insight. I mean, we had this, we have the situation that literally we were uh, certainly myself, but my wife, even more, we were scared for kids to die, you know, all the time. Like they came 10 and a half weeks early Max actually had to be resuscitated the one time he stopped. They stop breathing when they're too early. You might know this. I don't know what eight weeks brings, but they don't have the breathing reflexes yet. So we were very uncomfortable leaving them alone. And to make that step at six months, I think is amazing. It's that's that's really good because really it does um, affect everything if the kids take over all your time and all your planning. And that's why I find it such a strong and powerful insight and decision that you guys made. Because you can't have that for the next 20 years. You know, also doesn't help the kids. Yeah. So that's really, really good. What we do with um, date nights, we do date night once a week. And to make it intentional, we do a certain uh, type of check-in. So we do, we take turns. So one one of us starts and then we go, appreciation. Um, thank you for doing this today or having my back when I wanted to go surfing. Um, then there's a, a today's low. So there was a certain low that happened, whatever it was, some event. Ideally, it's not something to, uh, where you crawl into each other and you're now starting to fight. But, you know, it's something that wasn't great. And then there's a personal high or highs. Um, and then there is a horizon. So on my horizon, this is coming up and I'm thinking about it. And then there is appreciation. I've been trying to work on this thing really hard and I hope you noticed. And then the other person says, I have noticed and that you're doing a good job. And it's a very, it's kind of what it had us doing is we're having a, um, we're not talking about children. It can be, you know, if the personal low is, I'm, I'm struggling with Maya's tantrums and it's really difficult for me. Sure. You do talk about it, but you set intentional topics about things that are very important and you get to the point very quickly. It's almost like a check-in in EO. So that helped yeah. us a lot on our date nights. And how long do you guys take doing that? 
sometimes two minutes, sometimes it, it uh, some conversation develops around it and it's half an hour, you know, and we, we deal with the topic and we move on and you actually go, okay, what's your low? What's your high? Okay. There's no, there's no time cap. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that approach. Started doing something like that, but I think that's a takeaway out of this session. So thank you. Yeah, cool. Thank you. I love the fact that you make an intentional decision. I have a question then around, uh, I think we talked a little bit about this when we talked a couple weeks ago, but mm. one of the things that we're still trying to figure out is this whole new identity. So uh, before children, you know, BC, <laughs> we, yeah. uh, we, we were our own selves and, you know, I was 32 when we had Hunter, Megs was 28. And so like, you know, we had kind of figured out who we were and what we wanted to be doing and we were doing it and we had intentional lives and it was, it was, you know, it was really, we were in strong positions. It was really, really good time to have children. And now, you know, dad, mom, role identities, uh, have been, you know, placed on top of us. It's just part of the, uh, the journey. Yeah. And so what we've been finding is sometimes it's a bit of a struggle to like, it's, have you ever read the great Gatsby? I had to when I was in the States in 11th grade. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Me, yeah, yeah, me too. And, um, so the, the, the light across the bay, you know, the idea of holding on to the past, mm -hmm. I still think it's something that we're, you know, I, I don't want to say guilty of, but something that we're doing, like as, as if there's this identity that we were, that we'll be able to get back, mm -hmm. but it's really not possible. Mm -hmm. And so just trying to figure out ways and maybe you've talked to people or thought about this around, you know, that new identity, embracing it letting go of the past and then, you know, kind of moving forward because sometimes uh, in conversations, whatever, we're like, you know, hey, remember when we could just, you know, say, let's go outside <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then we would walk out the door and, and close it behind us. And that would all, that's all that would be involved. <laughs> yeah, I get, now, I get, I actually get it. It's like a half an hour to 45 minute <laughs> yeah, exercise. If that, I mean, if that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> if I understand your question correctly, you're asking how to let the past go and move into the future with this new role. And I don't think that it's a matter of, of letting it go and now being this transformed, this different person. I think it's more transformation. So your past still travels with you, but you have these new roles in addition, you know? And yeah, sure, it's more difficult of, you know, we went camping last weekend, myself and my and Lena kind of as my papa date for Saturday and Sunday. We planted some trees and we burned some marshmallows. And, you know, if it if it would have just been me, I would have been out the door two, in two minutes. But, you know, it took me, I don't know, a whole night of negotiation the night before with my wife because it was too spontaneous for her. I was like, okay, we go the next day. Um, and then it took us still 45 minutes to get the park car packed with two kids. So yes, and life just changes with all these kids and, and, and your new roles. And, and so your focus changes too. So it's not, it's, it's not necessary. I don't want to be the old person. that's totally independent. Doesn't have to, you know, like wait, or, you know, be considerate about this different new situation. I want this new situation. I want to, I want to come home in the evening and I have running, screaming kids, you know, running towards me and being happy. That's also part of, of not being able to be as flexible as I used to. So there's a lot of upside. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's, it's a pretty awesome part of the day. There's no yeah. doubt about that. <laughs>
it is. But yeah, no, I I think life changes and that's fine. And the past carries, you carry the past with you. You don't necessarily transform into a new person, but you're transforming all the time as your life changes. Yeah, that's cool. And then um, in terms of your wife and the and supporting her, mm-hmm. um, in in my life, uh, you know, my wife's working kind of part-time. We have daycare kind of set up. Uh, our son goes to junior kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And so she's she's there kind of like making sure everybody's out the door and then everybody's home, um, you know, and, and then we're all fed well. And then I'm, I'm going to work a little bit early before they leave the house. I get back typically after they've come back, usually around like 5.30. And she's just in a bit of a groundhog day routine. Yeah. And so I'm trying to figure out ways to support her, you know, and, and it could be even so much as like, Hey, changing the complete structure of the way I do work in yeah. terms of hours. Maybe I go to work at like six 30 in the morning and come back at like three instead of going to work at say seven 30 and coming back at five 30. Yeah. Um, but I was just curious if you've had any thoughts or, or yeah, I do. takeaways there or talk to anybody about that stuff. Yeah. All the time. So if I left at 6.30, then I'd skip suicide hours. So that wouldn't be so great. So what we do in the morning is I do right. the <laughs> twins. <laughs> I do the twins and she does the triplets mainly. But we also have a night nurse. So the night nurse helps. Or we have a night nurse five nights of the week. So she, her name's actually Happy. So funny. And she is always happy. It's amazing. And she... Um, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and she, um, she helps with the triplets. I do the twins. We have breakfast always together and then I start working at nine o'clock, but I work from home. So I haven't gone to the office for the last eight months or so. I mean, I've been there twice to have a beer and celebrate some big pitch that we won or something. But I've literally changed in that sense that I'm not going into work anymore. And I'm super lucky that my business partner allows it. Um, You know, I'm mainly on the phone because we work globally and I do new business and I do strategy, so I don't have to be there, but it's still great that he lets me do it. So that was the biggest change. And then what I tried to do is I literally, for months, I've tried to force her to go back to, you know, yoga classes and to to, jo- to join the gym again or whatever she wants to do. You know, she used to be a yoga teacher. She's obviously, obviously dropped all of that. Now, finally, she goes back to yoga and she goes to the gym and she really loves it. And she usually meets a girlfriend afterwards for uh, for a coffee or whatever they do. Um, and the only way I managed to be able to do that was by taking over some of the things in the day. And then, of course, I have to admit, at the moment, her parents are here for three months, so they do a lot. So this is kind of what you said in the beginning, involving a community and making sure that the chores are done so she can just feel... Um, that she can leave the house. And I've been told by other mothers that, and by her, they leave the house, but they leave the house feeling guilty that not everything is picture perfect. And it doesn't have to be, you know. And that change is required kind of from your wife, that mindset. But you can support you can support her by making sure that she feels that not everything will crash when she leaves now because you're going to take over this and that. So what my wife has literally told me is, don't ask me, should I do this tonight? Should I do the night shift tonight? Because I kind of bring the decision back on her table. Now she has to say yes. I should just say, I'm doing the night shift tonight. 
oh, now she has to say no. So it's, it seems very small, but when I understood this, it's actually quite big. That's wonderfully simple. Yeah. So kind of, actually she said it a few times, if I'm honest, <laughs> but kind of this just, <laughs> I've got this. So something's coming up and you just go, I've got this. That's, and it doesn't have to be a big thing, but she can just, she can just relax and, and eventually understand that it's going to be taken care of. I don't have to think about it. So she talks about the mental load. So she carries a lot of the mental load in the house, you know, making sure the washing machine powder is there and the kids have food for when they go to school and after school they're swimming and all the logistics. That's a heavy mental load that she carries. And when she explained it to me, I, I kind of was like defensive almost in the beginning. I was like, yeah, well, you know, but you got to discuss all these things with me and then we can just split the chores and I'll do whatever needs to be done, no problem. And But actually it's true, you know, you, you can't discuss every little detailed thing she does and she does a lot of this. So yeah, kind of, I guess it's a 50-50 mindset change that needs to happen there. Yeah, that's really cool because even the idea of having that conversation saying like, hey, well, let me know what the chores are and then I'll do some. And that's even more mental load on her having to like exactly. delegate and having to exactly. parse things out. and Exactly. On the other side of things, I mean, this is also true and this came up in this conversation as well. You know, she makes some of, some of the decisions that I would like to be included and she doesn't do it on purpose, but she's just does it as part of the organization of the day. For instance, Max was sick and then she just tells me I'm going to take him to the doctor today. And I'm going to go at 10. And, you know, remember, I'm working from home, so I might as well take him myself as well. But she never, never asked me. I didn't, I didn't think of it that he needs to go to the doctor. And, and she just says, I'm taking him now. And kind of like, oh, okay, it's on my shoulders. But I actually want to take him to the doctor because it helps me. It gives me an hour of time where I can bond with him, where I'm just alone with him. Yeah. There's no other groups of children. And it's just me and him. And even if it's just the doctor, it's just me and him. So I would have actually liked to be part of that um, decision-making process because I would have put my hand up. And But at the same time... Well, she's trying to help me. She's trying to... Yeah. What she said was, well, I was just trying to, you know, have your back because you're working. So I'm just trying to sort out the kids so we, you can work, which is amazing. But, you know, it's a classic example of um, miscommunication if, or non-communication if you want. Yeah, and that goes back to, you know, kind of full circle to that idea of that weekly update or check-in. Yeah of, you know, I've been working really hard to let you work from home and you're yeah. like, okay, cool. Yeah, you're right. I, pre I appreciate that. And then 100%. You know, something from my end is I, I'd love the opportunity to, to bond with Max one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And now we talked about it. So she will know um, by tonight for sure <laughs> when she listens to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Nice. This nice. benefit. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I know it. Um, even with the EO updates, I, I share them with my wife. And, yeah. Uh, it's a really cool opportunity. Is your wife in Spousal Forum? No, not yet. Okay, mine is. We, yeah. we, our chapter our chapter is pretty small, so we don't really have uh, the infrastructure in place right now. I'm, my goal is to get us to 50 members. Once we're there, we'll have a lot more flexibility for that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. You're president of in, at the moment, or incoming president, hey? No, I'm current and next year. We're, we decided to, as a board, to do uh, two-year terms so we could stabilize the chapter and get it off the ground. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and so then that creates another dynamic, too, around priorities for oh, being away from the family. And we have this whole philosophy that if you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Yeah, that's true. Uh, 
and so uh, going back to your question about some of the strategies we've used to maintain a strong relationship uh, through the you know the kiddos um, is we use our calendar rigorously. So my work calendar is my home calendar are the same, and they're they're filled up all the time with everything. So mm-hmm. a lot of people that I've met in my life have their work calendar and it's filled up, and then on the off hours of work it's empty. Mm-hmm. And so, and so in, you know, years ago, I, I kind of worked in the same way. And then somebody would ask if I could do something or if we could do something and we get invited to something. And because there was nothing there, we would say yes to this stuff. And then we realized that we would get invited to lots of things. And then all of a sudden, you know, our home would turn into shambles or, you know, our routine was out of whack with our kids. And so we decided, well, why don't we plan six, eight weeks out? Uh, at you know minimum from weekend to weekend and weeknight to weeknight and make sure that we all are on the same page with when I'm going to be home and when I'm going to be at work and when I'm able to go do these things because I want to say yes to family first and then by saying yes to them first I can say no to other stuff and so then when someone says can you can you make it to this EO event on Saturday April 27th and I look and I'm like oh no actually I'm planning to be home that weekend that's so awesome you know one step um, up from that, you probably know Warren Rustand. He's he does a lot in the leadership in EO. Do you know him? I haven't met him. No. Okay, so he's uh, he he's one of the dads I did a session with. He worked to the he was the secretary to the um, president of the United States. So he's very much into scheduling and spending time with intent. He also has yeah. an awesome family and an awesome family system. But what he explained to me is how he he schedules his time out. He schedules. He's got four buckets. So he's got family, um, community, business, and self. And he schedules family first. He schedules the family stuff um, one year in advance. And he used to schedule the f- on paper in the in the past. So he used to schedule the family stuff with a pen. Can't erase. The rest would be spe- uh, scheduled with pencil. Okay, so he does a year in advance. He schedules... I think one weekend away with or trip away with the wife um, per quarter. And then he schedules the things that he wants to do with the kids and he schedules the family holidays, etc. So that's in red. Now it's digital. So that's in red, cannot move. And then the rest is, you know, business stuff that he can't move and community stuff that he can't move. And then he schedules his own things. And he literally schedules every single minute, even if, if, even if there's downtime, he schedules the downtime because... He says, well, you know, you can't get the time back and I'm accountable for so many hours of the week. And so I want to spend them without wasting a minute. But again, he starts with family first and can't move. So he plans everything around the family. Rob, thank you so, so much for sitting with me and talking about these important topics. I really hope that we were able to cover something that's valuable to to people who are listening. And I certainly enjoyed it. I hope we're going to speak again. And yeah, thank you for that and, and all the best to Canada from Cape Town. Yew! Super. Thank you so much for listening in. I really hope you liked this session. If you did, please share this podcast. I'm sure you know someone who wants to hear this. Make no mistake, your shares are meaningful and they drive our success. So thank you for sharing. Thanks for listening in. Hope to catch you next time. Have an awesome day. Ciao.